Introduction of Laughter Limited. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Laughter Limited by Nina Wilcox Putnam. Introduction. When some people write the story of their life, it is a sign that they are dead. Take Johnson, the one that Boswell wrote the scenario for, and look how Shakespeare wrote about Caesar after somebody had handed him a haymaker, and now watch Mr. Tomaty, and so forth. There are in the motion picture world also a class of dead ones who allow somebody else to write their biography. Dead from the neck up, anyways. They may be alive as stars all right, but they couldn't write a continuity for the story of a custard pie. So when one of the trade or fan papers decides to shove a piece of their private history before the public for consideration of one dollar in hand paid and other good and valuable consideration, why, all the star generally does is sign the piece and phone down to the publicity department for some new stills. As a result, there is a lot of misunderstanding in the public mind about what goes on in pictures. I mean about the real inside dope. Some have the idea that we are a bunch of sky chasers who never hit anything lower than the roof of the Singer building, and are morally as bad, if not worse, than what they think rich society people are. But these, of course, are not the savvy fans who believe what they read in the picture magazines. These latter go around with the cuckoo illusion that a motion picture star's private life is all front lawn, white flannel clothes, dainty children and sweet mothers, the whole served with vanilla sauce and tinctured with extract of noble sentiment. While as a plain matter of fact, neither type of fan is correct. Realizing it to be high time that somebody who knew told the truth about pictures and picture people was what decided me on writing my own story, instead of making my mark just under the till on the stuff Benny had sent up to me from our lot. Miss Delane, says young Mr. Rolfe, our publicity head, flapping a fat typewritten manuscript at me, the big egg has okayed this script for close-ups. It's your autobiography, and it ought to go over big. Kate Kinner wrote it, the girl who did your How I Brush My Teeth story, and that thing of yours about The Way to Hold Men for the same magazine. Give me it, I says, reaching for the dope sheet. And he did, and this is what I saw. My past and my people. Bonnie Delane, famous Silvermount star, tells her own story exclusively for Close-Up magazine, the inner life of America's best-known picture actress, revealed for the first time for Close-Up readers. Oh, is that a fact, I says, very much interested. This is a revelation not only to the public, but to me. How does your department get that way, anyhow? Oh, it's a good story, says Slim Rolfe hastily. You'll like it. We start you out, the daughter of a Spanish countess, and describe your father, the general, and how you went to the most exclusive schools and convents until the big smash came, and— Hold, I says. Big smash is well said. And as for old general debility, say, Slim, how far do you think you can go, anyways? With your imagination, you ought to be in the scenario department. Well— "'Far be it from me to tell the truth on you, honey,' says Rolf, with a grin. "'That's a nasty crack from a broken little mug like you,' I says. "'What's the matter with introducing a little truth into pictures for a novelty?' 
"'What do you want to do? Wreck the industry?' says he. "'Say, listen,' I says. "'If the industry could have been wrecked, it would have happened long ago, with the bunch of clowns running it that is. Nix. Pictures are too strong ever to be wrecked by anything, unless it's this continual false front, the ones that is in it, keeps up all this time.' "'What do you mean, false front?' says Rolfe. "'I mean in every department,' I says, "'and in practically every concern. "'Also, in the private lives of actors, and etc. "'You know as good as I do, Rolfie, "'that we as an industry, generally speaking, "'have got into the habit of thinking "'that we could get away with murder "'if only we kept on showing a baby blue side to the public "'and advertising it enough. "'Sweet Daddy!' If the picture people really lived the lives, picture magazines attribute to them, they would all be dead of anemia long ago. And we, says Slim. Well, something weakening, I conceded. And say, honey, I went on, you don't for one minute think the public believes that gruff, do you? They buy it, he pointed out. You see, Bonnie, they don't want to know the truth. Don't they, though, I exclaimed. Say, listen, there's nothing in the world they would rather know. Pictures are the biggest, most important art in the world today, and have got the biggest future of any, and the public knows it. Also, the public hears a lot of dope about wild times, big money, crooked contracts, and something for nothing generally. And as it is their admission money which is being spent that way, they are interested. Also because of the glamour of it, Slim. But most of all because pictures have come to stay. People believe in them, and with a cause. They're the greatest. Hoa, says Rolfie. Any time you get fired, come over to the hot air department and see me. But I mean it, I says earnestly. This is the greatest art industry in the world, and truth would never hurt it. Truth, you know, kid, never injured any innocent party yet. Have a heart, says Slim. When did pictures get so pure? How about the B and G merger? And Reggie's contract with Goldringer, eh? Oh, I know there is plenty of crooks out of jail, I says impatiently. But they are not all in the picture business. There are also plenty of angels out of heaven, and they are not all registered exclusively with us either. And my publishing twelve installments of fumigated biography isn't going to fool anybody. Why, nobody could be as pure or as swell as this stuff makes me out, and live. I refuse to let it be printed. The hell you say, remarked Slim. Well, the magazine has contracted for your life story, and we got to deliver. Besides, think of the publicity. All right, I says, inspired. I got nothing to do for the next week. I'll write it myself. Rolf looked at me as if I'd overdrawn at the bank. Well, go easy, now, he says uncomfortably. Of course you are your own boss and can do as you like. But just kindly remember you are under no real necessity to tell on the family. I'll tell nothing uncalled for, I says, although, of course, no matter what I write, somebody will be sure to kick about it. And you'll publish what you write, says Slim, wrinkling up his nose in a troubled way he has. I will, I says, firm as an old maid at the altar. That's a hell of a note, says Rolf. Well, I wished you'd leave me see it before it goes out. Nix, I replied. But there's likely to be mistakes in grammar and everything. Rolfie objected frankly. "'There will be, in the grammar,' I said. "'But no editing from you. Much obliged, just the same.' "'Well, 
don't put any salt on the tail of any boomerang that's all bonnie says slim gloomily picking up his kelly and the rejected script or you might catch it in the neck yourself flashing which melancholy subtitle he departed and left me stacked up against the big proposition which i had undertaken well after slim had gone i got to thinking the matter over and the more i thought the greater amount of enjoyment i got out of it to begin with everybody will realize how much pleasure it is for any woman to talk about herself and further the merest dumbbell will realize what a kick is to be got out of telling the story of one's life anybody will do it just give em the chance that's all of course the habit is mostly confined to drunks but pretty nearly any one will come across after a little urging and some on the contrary you can't stop from doing it lacking the chance to recite the story of our life the next best thing is to write it and in either case the beginning is apt to be a bore nobody but yourself cares about how you felt as a kid or your awakening to the big problem of there is no santa claus or other religious convictions and the chief reason for this is that life doesn't really begin until you go out into it so i decided to let the reader take for granted that i was born in my native town and etc and commence with my own start which really began on the opening night of the stony brook follies of nineteen twenty and i also decided not to have any fool title to this biography such as they run in the ordinary picture magazine but to call it by the plain simple name of the real story of bonnie delane's startling career by herself end of introduction <laughs>